you know, for kids. It has economy, simplicity, low production costs, potential for mass appeal, and all that spells out great profitability. I had the boys down at R&D throw together this little prototype so that our discussion here could have some focus, and to give you gentlemen of the board a first-hand look at just how exciting this gizmo is. It's fun, it's healthy, it's good exercise, the kids will just love it, and we put a little sand inside to make the experience more pleasant. But the great part is we don't have to charge an arm and a leg. What if you tie before it's done? Does it have rules? And more than one play? What makes you think it's a game? Is it a game? Will it break? It better break eventually. Is there an object? How do you make it stop? Is that a boy's model? Can a parent assemble it? What if you tie before it's done? Is there a larger model for the obese? What the hell is it? Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, brilliant. Welcome to the Materialist Podcast. We're we're back. We're back. Episode seven, the or seventh episode. seventh episode, or I guess it could be the first episode of second season, but that's confusing. Yeah. So we'll just go episode seven. Oh, uh, and but it's season two. Season two coming uh, at you. My name is Becky O'Sullivan. I'm the public archaeology coordinator at the West Central Regional Center. For Florida Public Archaeology Network in beautiful Tampa. And I am Nigel Rudolph, Public Archaeology Coordinator at the Central Region of the Florida Public Archaeology Network in Crystal River. But we are once again broadcasting from Gainesville, Florida. I, I don't know about that creepy doll that's up on the <laughs> shelf there. I just looked up uh, and I'm like, holy yeah. shit, there's like two creepy dolls up there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm not a I don't have a weird like thing. It's all for Halloween. You're an artist. This is a yeah. household of artists. It is so a house of artists. You know. And that doll will be converted to look like Reagan from The Exorcist. Oh. That's Is I'm there going to be like pea soup like spray out of her know. like mouth or something? It's like an antique and I kind of feel shitty. It's an it. antique? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's super old. Um but I'm going to paint it and uh <laughs> cover i gotta make clothes for it you know what it's like everything. adaptive re- like give it you know it has give it a new life yeah, yeah exactly okay so halloween episode <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> we're back after a little bit of a vacay we took the uh the, the bulk of the summer off Becky, what did you do? Anything fun this summer? I did some cool things this summer. I got to do an excavation at like an old Masonic lodge. That was cool. So I found stuff there, which was fun. Evidence about the uh, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) We actually found Jimmy Hoffa and Jack the Ripper. Wow. So it was really productive. Yeah, that seems, seems like it. Um, and then did a little road trip nice up to uh, North Carolina, which was nice. Nice. And That's I nice. actually brought you a present back from our trip. This, OMG. I have to say that 
last podcast we did on souvenirs, it really colored my road trip experience. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't buy that because that's like a lame souvenir. But I did bring you back something. Cool. Well, I'm excited. In the proud tradition of the Hopewell Interaction Sphere, I found a piece of mica in what? a creek and I brought it for you. Congrats. Look at that. Yeah. So, folks, I will post a picture of this on the Instagram, but we are looking at a piece of mica that's very shiny. Yeah. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, like, ancient people would, like, trade that shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were staying at a campground that was near this place called Micaville. And so like in the creeks, <laughs> in the creeks, though, it was so cool because there's all these like little flecks of mica and it was yeah. like all like sparkly. So it was cool. That is so awesome. So you can give me um, like a shell cup like anytime. Perfect. You know? Perfect. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. Maybe a marine that. shell necklace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Com- complete the circle. <laughs> well, I also went on a road trip. We drove with a two-year-old all the way to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Actually, we went as far north as Duluth, Minnesota, um, which is on Lake Superior Mm. for those Floridians that have never been to the Great Lakes. I was one of them. I'd never been to the Great Lakes. And it's kind of crazy, right? It's this huge lake. It's like an ocean. It's like, yeah, so you can see the horizon. I mean, I've yeah. never, it's like seeing a body of water that huge, but not um, smelling the salt water. <laughs> it was really crazy. Um, but on our way there and on our way back, we stopped at multiple archaeological sites. The big ones that you read about in your textbooks. Stopped at the Hopewell site, um, one of the Hopewell sites. Uh, we stopped at Serpent Mound. Mm-hmm. Um, we stopped at the famous Cahokia site. And a little advice the people that run Cahokia, perhaps some planting some trees. Uh, it was so <laughs> sunny. We could like we couldn't like it's even, so like open. It's and, so open, yeah. and th- it was like a thousand degrees, and the baby was cooking. But it, it was amazing. Didn't she climb up all the stairs of Monk's Mound? She did. She climbed <laughs> up like uh, the, climbed up the one hundred foot Monk's Mound like yeah, nonstop awesome. all the way up the stairs, and we were very impressed. And there's video footage of that for anybody that wants to watch a baby climbing stairs. Um, <laughs> just email us <laughs> at thematerialist like, at gmail dot com. Five hundred stairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really in funny. an adorable way. Where else did we go? A couple of other sites in Ohio, um, in Iowa. Oh, Effigy Mounds, uh, um, which are the little bear effigies. Yeah. And that's in Iowa, I believe. And that was just absolutely amazing. And that was forested, so you could like walk around the mounds and it's completely like shaded forest. So that mm-hmm. was really nice. We pushed the stroller up like it was like 400 vertical feet in like a quarter mile or something oh ridiculous God. and we're pushing this stroller up, up the damn <laughs> mountain and then the baby fell asleep so i was like i mean i guess that's awesome but <laughs> did so. you get some archaeology patches i did i got um for your collection i do i, I did and unfortunately cahokia was closed because you know National parks and state parks don't have money, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even famous places like Cahokia, so they can't stay open, um, you know, seven days a week, uh, 365 days a year. So they were closed on Mondays and Tuesday, and we just happened to be going through there on Monday. But in front of me, I have, the rest of them are in the car still, but I have Serpent Mound, um, which is a cool patch. Oh, that one's awesome. And then I have Effigy Mounds, which is also very cool. Yeah. The one for the Hopewell site is in the car, and it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's got like this line drawing of a bird soaring. It's really cool. So cool. Those will be going on the courier bag, adding to the collection. Anyway, 
Moving on, moving on. For those of you that don't remember what The Materialist is all about, we talk about stuff, material culture, items made by human beings from thousands of years ago to today and how these objects are shaped by and shape culture and the world around us. And to clarify some any confusion from our last season that I, I we're not trying to say that material objects have like get up and walk around. Yeah, know. it's not like Toy Story. It's not like you know, Toy Story. Where you like slap some googly eyes on a fork and then it yeah. comes to life and like has an existential crisis. Right. Like it doesn't <laughs> happen like that. No. <laughs> we're saying that the agency that objects have are completely entangled with human beings <laughs> entanglement where have i heard that word before well nigel <laughs> we had our summer reading um homework. <laughs> homework that we did um and we both read um ian hodder's newest book i think it's his newest book i think so yeah yeah titled entangled an archaeology of the relationships between humans and things and ian hodder is very famous archaeologists one of the fathers of post-processual archaeology this like yeah. and also just like a preeminent thinker in archaeology mm -hmm. so um and a material culture fan mm -hmm. just like we are so uh, it was a very interesting book all about um some of the questions that we're trying to kind of investigate in this podcast so on today's episode we're going to be talking about a couple of things and uh first and foremost we're going to kind of be summarizing what the upcoming season is going to be. We have a lot of really interesting topics we're going to be discussing um, on upcoming episodes. Um, I really wanted to kind of delve into this to, conf to confuse the hell out of everybody listening a bit more about the concept of material agency. Um, what he's really saying is that things are not isolated. Right. But then the other thing he's saying is that once people have created those things or they've harnessed those things or used them in some way, that those things also take on a life of their own. Right. That in some ways is like is unstoppable yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things he says in the book is that being human is entirely dependent on things. Yeah. That we rely on these things. These things rely on us and then things also rely on other things and mm -hmm. that's where all these entanglements occur mm -hmm. one f quote that i pulled out of the book that i thought was really great that things are not isolated objects as well as things in the natural world are connected toothbrushes need teeth and the river needs its banks and so these things the existence of these things are completely intertwined with each other mm -hmm. Right. And then the more that we use those things, the more that we get kind of dug in to using those things and the more that our kind of culture and society relies on them. So you think of like the internal combustion engine. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, at first, that's just like an oddity, like then every mode of production, our modes of transportation become reliant on fossil fuels and right. combustion engines. And now we're so dug in to those things that we need now that we're completely destroying the environment right. and the world because <laughs> yeah. of them. And so how do we dig ourselves out of these yeah. entanglements? And can we like even do that with some of these, with some of these things that we create? Mm -hmm. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep. The lives of things are only fulfilled through their interaction with people. We are the catalyst for their agency. Right. But then also like this other one I really liked where he's like, 
things appear as hydra-like, requiring Herculean skill to stop them multiplying and entrapping. And yet the entrapment is enticing and productive. Yeah. Explain that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, it made me think of... um, like Marie Kondo actually because I'm like god damn it she was right (laughs) um but that um as we create these new things as we create these new other things they entrap us in these entanglements and in these kind of like dug in like positions like Hodder talks about and so being entrapped in those things it's like enticing and productive because in some ways these things they make our life easier right like it's easier to get places like i just drove from tampa to gainesville like yeah. in a day i didn't have to take a like ride a horse or like do something <laughs> stupid like that yeah. so they, they're <laughs> enticing because they make our lives easier but the problems come when things break down or, or when those things they entrap us or they kind of um curtail some of our other choices or actions that we might like take otherwise and i think that's kind of where the um, agency of those objects comes into it yeah. is in the way that they can prod us to do certain things or kind of constrain us from taking other actions. Yeah. We're not going to get into the weeds with all that like theory stuff. We oh are. Oh my God. We are doing it now. Book, like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a beach read. Like it's not like, <laughs> it's, it's not. not like the worst, like I've ever had to read. I mean, it's like very well written. I didn't obviously. fall asleep. I, so. Yeah, it's very interesting. But like, there's like equations and like flow charts about right. these, right? Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it's archaeological theory is not right. like the there's, best to read. There's no romance or like murder. Yeah, there's no murder. No, so, but it's very interesting. And I encourage every, all the listeners, if you're interested at all in this concept of the theory of material agency, to, to jump into some of Hodder's work. He done, he's done a lot of writing, and it's not just this book entanglement. He's got a couple of essays that are out there that are available um, on the web. And there's actually some criticisms of this book that are also really, really interesting um, that are both for and against the concept of material agency. So I encourage readers to, you know, Get out there and research some of this information for yourself. One thing that I thought was really interesting that he talks about is that uh, there's a lot of objects that people completely forget, right? Like the windows of your house, the house itself, you know, Mm -hmm. how these objects exist in the world um, serves this very specific, very intimate connection to human beings but you're, you completely disregard them. Like even your house in general. Right, but you don't, the time when you really notice it is when it's like totally f-ed up. Like right. if, yeah, exactly. if someone throws a rock through your window, then you're like, oh crap, now I don't like my window's broken. I right. need to get like right. now the cold one. air can come in or right. the, um, the air conditioning. Or like can when go there's out. a hole in your roof and then like rain comes through, you're like, oh shit, now like Oh, I forgot I had a roof. <laughs> so like with all these things, we really recognize their um importance and thingness which i think that's like literally a thing that hotter talks about in the book their thingness and their like importance to us when things don't go as planned yeah which i think that'll be some interesting things for us to bring out in the the next few episodes Mm -hmm. is when things don't behave Mm mm-hmm yeah, when things don't behave <laughs> on the upcoming episodes of The Materialists. Uh, as a big bicycle advocate, um, I wasn't really considering the fact that um, without a rider, a bicycle is just this 
like machine, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I think the bicycle is a perfect example of entanglement. The human makes the bicycle what it is. Both human and thing launch each other into joint movement and depend on each other to keep things going as they are. That also like goes into one of the other things that he was talking about is the importance of time and material objects and things. So like not only is a bicycle dependent on a person to ride it or to use it, but it's also dependent on like the time period in which you're viewing it. When you're looking at an object from thousands of years ago, if you don't know what it's used for, how it works, what that completely changes like the thingness of that object. So think about like an archeologist thousand years from now, they don't have bicycles viewing a bicycle. They're going to have no idea. Like they might have no idea what it was for, what people used it for at all. So that like temporal aspect is so important um, as well. And so we can literally never get the same idea of the agency and like how things were used of different objects in the past because our brains just, we're not, you know, yeah, no, exactly. thinking about it in the same yeah. way. They're, they're of their time and place. That is really the root of the entire podcast. And I don't think we lost focus of that on our last season, but I think... Um, we had a lot of ground to cover because yeah. we had to talk about a lot of archaeology basics. Exactly, think, so. exactly. One of the things that we're going to be talking about coming up soon is this issue of things lasting over a long period of time, right? This issue of preservation, um, in Florida, we have particular environments where, where there's great preservation and then situations where there's terrible preservation. And so that's one thing that we're going to be talking about coming really soon. Yeah, so how things are preserved at some of the most ancient sites here in Florida. Um, so how things are preserved in the past, but then also looking forward, like how are things that we use today going to be preserved? Are they going to stick around forever? And what yes. implications <laughs> does that have for um, for the future, for the future right. of this planet? Yeah. Uh, mentioned earlier all the uh, material culture that's in this room. About probably 98% of that is made out of plastic. <laughs> um, and so that's, uh, you know, a reality that's going to have to get dealt with by archaeologists coming into the future of this field um, is that everything is going to start lasting forever now. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> Anthropocene. Um, and then uh, we're also going to be jumping into um, a holiday, a particular... <laughs> I'm so excited about that one. <laughs> My favorite holiday. Let's just um, do every episode as like yeah. Halloween related. I know. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah. We are now a Halloween uh, material, material culture. culture podcast. Halloween so. archaeology and material culture. <laughs> Shifting concept <laughs> in the middle of an episode. Um, we're going to be doing an episode this coming October. So that's, yeah. We, yeah. So not, not the next episode, but the following episode is going to be focused on Halloween and the material culture of Halloween. I'm a huge Halloween buff. Um, I, I love, um, all things Halloween. Um, there's multiple skulls in this room right now. Actually. Yeah, there are. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I have my albums, my material culture. I have some vinyl up on the wall. Yeah, literally, there. like, the music from The Exorcist yeah. on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> have a Ouija There's board. There's a Ouija board on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so all those are things that we're going to be discussing in our upcoming Halloween episode. Yeah, and, like, what more, I mean, what objects have more agency over us than, like, the objects that scare the crap out of us, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, one thing that's kind of a part of a, a Halloween celebration really is like burials. And so in that episode, we're going to be talking about like grave goods, those objects that we, we lay to rest with our loved ones, what, what that can tell us about the cultures in which they were coming from. Um, so that's really cool. Grave goods. Objects are sometimes scariest when they have agency. Did you write that or did I write that? I must have written. I think you wrote that. Wow, that was pretty profound, <laughs> Nigel. Objects are sometimes scariest because they have agency. Yeah, like a haunted doll that like comes yeah. out at night and like attacks you. Yeah. And we'll talk about some scary objects from horror movies, maybe. All things Halloween, all things grave and burial related, uh, grave goods and spooky burial goods stuff. related. Spooky stuff. And then... Oh, my God. <laughs> Another of our favorite topics to talk about. So, yeah. Or one thing that Becky and I like to do um, is get tattooed. (laughs) That is one thing I did this summer is I got a new tattoo. I know. It's awesome. I totally forgot. It's totally awesome. Yeah. It's a really cool tattoo. So, we're going to be covering um, the archaeology. tattoo archaeology and um but looking at the the material culture involved with the history of tattooing yeah. and i'd like to take it as far as us getting a tattoo <laughs> are we gonna get like the same one? Oh, i don't know about that <laughs> don't know about no that. we can get different ones yeah. i'll have to think of something that yeah. i want to get and i think one that's really important and very poignant in our world right now is um the gender of objects yeah um, that one like that will just be scratching the surface right. of what we could go into. But I think, yeah, to like kind of intro to like gender and um, yeah. material culture would be amazing. Yeah. One thing related to the gender of objects that kind of sparked the idea of this entire podcast was I was driving um, here in Gainesville and I was behind this big old pick em up truck, uh, you know, lift kit on these big mud tires and a giant bumper sticker on the back window said, real men don't wear earrings. Yeah. And I was like, that's so the mo- <laughs> I was like, that's the most bizarre heteronormative nonsense I've ever read in my life. And I was like, that would be so interesting to have a conversation about this, um, this concept of gender and objects and that men have worn earrings <laughs> like for, for like as long as there've been time. Right. And the fact that all the objects that we ascribe to just women or just men, that's literally all made up. Yeah. Like it's all based <laughs> it's kind of, on our specific yeah. culture and worldview. So and it we'll bounces back and forth. Yeah. And it bounces back and forth. Like one, what one generation was for, uh, for women is now for men and vice versa, like right. high heels, for example. Um, <laughs> so, and then I think another, uh, couple of, um, subjects that we're going to be talking about that we will, um, surprise you with. So one thing I really wanted to bring more of in this season is our little breakout. Um, material culture in the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Our little breakout sections like material culture in the cinema or um, material culture in the news, things like that to really kind of connect a lot of what we're talking about to something that is far more accessible to people. Right, yeah, because when, and we've talked about this before, but when people think about archaeology, they think about something that's like super, super old and has literally nothing to do with their lives today. But I think one of the things that we always try to preach and like teach people about is the ways that archaeology, you know, we might be studying things that are in the past, but it's so relevant to us now and um i think it's really cool to make those connections yeah and i'm dying to talk about the thousand dollar ripped 
jeans. Nigel has been wanting to talk about thousand dollar ripped jeans for a long time. So we're gonna do. We're gonna have yeah. a lot of that. It's so, gonna be good. Uh, and we both like movies. Yeah, and we so, both like movies. All right. As always, check us out on um, Instagram. Yeah. We've got. Uh, we'll have some images of uh, some of Nigel's patches some interesting <laughs> things on there for you to um to check out we always try to put up some um, interesting pics to go along with each episode and i would really like to encourage you that if you have questions to to email us you know or if you just want to say you guys are the best yeah um, Ooh, or maybe if you have like a mystery object that you yeah. want us to like investigate for you so interact with fun. us interact with us um, we are public archaeologists and that's kind of at the soul of what our uh employment is it's really important to us to uh, not just let our voices go out into the world without any kind of interaction with the people that might be listening to them. So as Becky just said, you can find us on all the social medias, like us and share. Um, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook. I'd like to give mad props to FPAN, all the FPAN regions Thanks, out FPAN. there. Thank you, FPAN. If you want more information on F FPAN and who the Florida Public Archaeology Network is, you can go to fpan.us. Thank you to Have Gun Will Travel for our intro music. Silver oh. in the... Oh, sorry. Go. That's another thing that I did this summer is went to their album drop yes. uh, extravaganza in Tampa, which was amazing. Yep. I, I went to one of the shows here and um, it was also amazing. Yeah. So awesome job, guys. Yeah. The new album's amazing. Great and record. hearing you play the whole thing live was also amazing. Yeah. If you like their music, um, you can go to hgwtmusic.com to find out a ton more information about them and buy their new album. Um, and of, of course, we wouldn't even be doing this, like I just mentioned, we wouldn't even be doing this if it wasn't for the like people that are listening. So thank you, listeners. Um, did I forget anything? Is that it? I think that's it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Thanks, guys. Second season of The Materialist begins now. Boom. I'm all like all nervous for some reason. <clears throat> I feel a little bit too. I'm like, <gasps> really? Yeah. We're back at it. We're back at it. <laughs> like none I've seen. Put a card in the slot and onto the screen pops a picture of just how your dish will look, plus all the ingredients you need to cook. No need for the bride to feel tragic. The rest is push-button magic. So whether you bake or broil or stew, the Frigidaire Kitchen does it all for you. Don't have to be chained to the stove all day. Just set the timer and you're on your way. Tick tock, tick tock, I'm free to have fun around the clock. Peepers, I'm exhausted. <laughs>